Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, today we've seen Hotel Artemis. Yes. Which is a sort of futuristic-y, dystopian, uh, sci-fi, high-concept, action-y thriller yes. thing. <laughs> which I loved. Which I had quite a good time in, um, d- despite also falling asleep during it. Oh, did you? No, I didn't completely fall asleep, but towards the end I was... I was Getting there. Oh, and did you think that it had to if, be if it had film? Been, it, it's 90 minutes long or so, maybe 97 minutes. And if it had been a half hour longer, I would have fallen asleep. I, that's just because I was tired as well. Ah, okay. Well, you know... <laughs> but it, it wasn't. It sort of wasn't quite exciting enough. Despite it. being engaging. Yes. Um, it's kind of not good enough, actually, as a thriller. It's, it's not pacey or stylish or exciting enough. Nonetheless, it kept my interest. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I loved it. And actually, I do see what you mean. Um, there was, I mean, there were some things that were done incredibly well visually, but it wasn't also visually stylish enough. And, you know, some of the action sequences could have been done better. But what I loved most of all was the actors, the interplay amongst the actors. Mm. And actually, I really loved... Jodie Foster. Let's give a, 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 a rough idea of the film. Yes. Prior to uh, spoiler territory. So it's set in... Yeah, 2028. Probably, uh, 2028, okay. So 20 year, 10 years from now. But yes. Time's speeding up. Um, and it's not, it's not kind of overly future Like there are kind of... There are, there are holographic things every now and again. But it's not kind of beating you in the face with, with um, sort of sci-fi technology. Actually, what it is is... It's, it's kind of the problems of today, sort of slightly amplified. Um, but it, it feels like it's, it's a sort of future that's really not very far off in that it's set in uh, L.A. with uh, huge riots happening yes. um, over a company called Clearwater. It's a, a water company that is... It, clearly, water has become even more of a commodity than it already is. I mean, there's... Because um, sort of infamously in Flint, Michigan, yes. um, th- they don't have clean water and and they haven't had for a a long time it's a disgrace it's a failure it's a state failure yeah so the kind of problems that the film is is depicting are not very far away they're completely realistic Mm. really Um, so there's writing happening over that over water being priced out of most people's reach Um, the the film starts off with uh, a bank heist by these two brothers Um, and they realise they're not going to get into the vault but what they what they've got is a load of hostages who are poor people. They're gardeners and cleaners and maids and that sort of thing. And so they realise that these people have been sent during the riots mm. to um, to the valuables and to to take yeah to obtain all their all their employers' valuables and they, and it's 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 interesting. It's a really actually nice elegant bit of of setup yes. environmental setup because the, the, the brothers realise this is the case and they say to these people stand up. If your boss is a millionaire, and they all stand up, which which is just it's a really nice way of saying this is the uh, um, wealth disparity. Yes, the, the, the boss is not just rich, but they're all millionaires, mm. um, which I thought was quite a nice little touch. Mm. Uh, anyway, that's kind of that's going a little bit overboard on on setting up the world, but but I think it's, the world is set up really nicely. Uh, there's a little bit of a shootout. And the brothers retreat to 
uh, a sort of private member's uh, hospital uh, set in an old uh, hotel called Hotel Artemis, which is for criminals. A- anyone else, a- all the good guys can get treated somewhere else, but the criminals, they can only get treated here. It's a little bit like that hotel in John Wick, mm. where the criminals can go and stay and they're not allowed to kill each other there. Yes. That's right. Um, Jodie Foster is the nurse who runs this place. Yes. She's, she's sort of, she's neurotic and uh, she looks her age. I mean, it, it's, um, it's wonderful to see. Uh, and she's fantastic, and she, she's this little old woman who's sort of neurotic and jumping about the place, but is totally in control of everything. Mm. It, 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 she, it's a really good performance, and it's quite an interesting little character. Um, there are a few other criminals already staying, getting mm. various wounds treated in this place, and they have their own sort of backstories. Anyway, that's a quite long, uh, spoiler-free <laughs> version. Um, <laughs> But I, but I think that's what's that's some of the best stuff in the film is the setup. Yes, I think it builds a really convincing world and a really interesting set of characters. Yes, uh, to then kind of play and interact. It does I mean I think the best thing about the film is the is is the actors and the interplay uh, amongst them. Yeah, I mean I think one of the, one of the things that I find very interesting is this is a Jodie Foster film. The whole film is built around her. She's the main character. Mm. You know, which I would never have guessed from seeing the poster or the tra- or even the trailer. Actually, I thought you know this is a film. You know how interesting to see Jodie Foster now in her late fifties or whatever, looking her age, and you know possibly I thought from the trailer that she was maybe playing one of those cameos that it would be and Jodie Foster, you know, plays maybe like this this key but minor role. But no, it is all about her. Yeah, mm. like you know, she is the film really. Uh, and so I thought that was wonderful. I thought, you know, it was wonderful to see her uh, as saying this role. And of course, she's a truly great actress. And she makes kind of every minute count. Her face is like absolutely transparent. You know, you can, you can read everything in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and she's always interesting to look at. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for me, it was a thrill because I think, you know, for people of my generation, Jodie Foster kind of means a lot, you know. I mean, she was not only a star we all grew up with, like, you know, kind of... I remember as a teenager seeing her in Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Right. That was her. And, of course, Taxi Driver famously, you know. And then I remember the time when she... The Little Foxes and, you know, she didn't quite make it as a teen star. and But she was... You know, she but was then Signs great, of the Lambs happened. Yeah, the Hotel New Hampshire, things like that. She got good reviews... Yeah, and then it was, I think, what, what was it? The, the, it's not the adjuster, but the, the film where she gets raped. Um, you uh, know. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with her back catalogue, to be honest. Ah, well, um, you know, there was a period in the late 80s and certainly, you know, through the early 90s where she was almost the only bankable female star. Really? Yeah, you know, so you could build a whole film around... Uh, 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 Jodie Foster in a way that you couldn't do uh, around any other female star of that period really maybe well you know that's also the period in which uh, uh, Julia Roberts Mm. was starting her career so you know obviously kind of uh, Julia Roberts became an even more more of a box office star than Jodie Foster I suppose but you know but there was that period where she was the you know yeah uh, that kind of star uh, and also, you know, there were all these rumors about her being a lesbian and people trying to out her 
And, you know, yeah. so she became also kind of like a symbol in a way. And then, of course, the whole thing with President Reagan, right, where the guy, you know, was in love with Jodie Foster and, you know, Hinckley, was it? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so there's a whole kind of, you know, dimension to her star persona. And then she's been very picky about the roles that she does, right? So she's always been in quite big hits, right? I forget what was the sci-fi one with um, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, uh, oh, um, uh, Contact. Contact, yes. right? That was a big hit. Uh, and then what was it? The Quiet Room or something Panic like that. Room. Panic Room. Yeah. You know David that was Fincher. David Fincher. Yeah. So she's yeah she's 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 been in successful films, but she's been in very like she mm. she does very few films, right? Yeah. And she's able to choose her roles. She's able to, and also she turned a bit, you know, to directing, which I think is a pity because, you know, I mean, she's a fine director, but she's really, a, I think, a truly great actress. Yeah. You know? I think it's always a shame when actors decide to direct. I don't, very few of them are any good, is it? Well, in well my opinion. yeah, very few are, in fact. And actually, the ones that are tend to be, you know, uh, like, so for example, you know, somebody like Clint Eastwood, I mean, I think he's a better director than he is an actor. Though obviously, you know, he's a better star than either of the two others, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, one, yeah, one can make those distinctions. Um, but the thing about directing is that it takes up years of people's lives, you know, whereas, like, a, you know, an actor can do two or three movies a year, mm. whereas a director is doing one film every three years. So I, I just think it's cinema's loss that we haven't seen her in more things, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it was a joy to, for me to see her in this and to see her be so good, you know. Yeah. So what did you like about her performance in this? Well, I love that she looks her age, you know. Um, I loved that you can really, like, she's a, she's a character who's in pain, right? So, you know, she's somebody who suffered a trauma in her life that's meant that she's ended up in this place curing criminals. Yeah, this is as good a time as any to say spoilers here That's on. right. You know, and she's been carrying the blame because, you know, she's been thinking that her son has died of a drug overdose. Whereas, in fact, what she ends up realizing is that the man who owns this hotel hospital that she runs and, you know, uh, had her son killed. Yeah. Yeah. So For stealing his car. For stealing his car. So she's been carrying all this guilt needlessly. So in the, in the, in the one, on the one hand, you know, this knowledge kind of then frees her up for the rest of the film. But it's like, you know, through all of the interactions with all of the characters you get all different kinds of feeling of, you know, so on the one hand, she's stuffed and she's slightly alcoholic. You know, on the other hand, she really cares for, you know, the nurse that works with her, right? She yeah, Dave Batista. Yeah, she has real feeling for, you know, the gangster she's curing and how conflicted he is about his brother. Like, you can read everything. And then she's also very funny, like the interactions with Jeff Goldblum and so on, right? Like, mm. you know, she brings out the laughs as well. So I, I think the only thing that I didn't like was her walk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you notice the walk, don't you? It's, you quite, do. it's quite an affected, all these little steps. Yeah. And it's a kind of shuffle and it's very, very uh, rapid. It's mannered. Yes, it certainly is. You know, so she's giving like a beautifully kind of natural performance. But then she's decided on this walk that makes the character almost caricatural in some way. I mean, it's always interesting. Um, you know, it's always interesting to look at. But there's almost like a level of truth and layers that she's conveying with her face mm. that the body makes cartoony. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, I thought it was just bliss to watch her. Jeff Goldblum the same. You know, he's only in it for about five minutes. 
and he gives a Jeff Goldblum performance, right? Yeah. It's all about effects. It's all about, you know, being sleazy and getting the laughs and being charming and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's incredibly charismatic and he's incredibly good and he's Jeff Goldblum. He's not He's not even pretending to play a role. How really. can you possibly <laughs> pretend to play a role when you're Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to be fair, actually, this is the first role I've seen him in in a long time where he doesn't, like, stammer. He doesn't go, ah, ah, and do, yeah. do his Jeff Goldblum. Actually, he just gets his fucking lines out for once, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is quite nice. Yes. Because he's not got very long to say them. Uh, so I also loved, uh, what's the French actress? Oh, uh, uh, Boutella. Sophia Boutella. Sophia Boutella. Who is my favourite action person in, you know, the last four or five years. I mean, she's just brilliant. She's got this fantastic look. Um you know, kind of, like, kind of Egyptian or something. Uh, she's Algerian. Okay. And she moves beautifully. You know, and also she's a very good actress, really. So mm. she was just, I think, a pleasure to watch. Um, and then the film is people with all of these kind of character roles. You know, so I also loved um, uh, the guy from Atlanta, Terrell. Uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. He's just so funny. And and also, you know, he imbue, he's got and, and quite empathetic as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's it's like he's always like alive on screen. Mm. You know, uh, uh, and he brings humor, you know, from from lines that aren't there, and he gives you like a fully rounded character with history, you know, and conflict and so on. In and he gets he makes that out of nothing really. It's almost like you know it's not in the role. Yeah. Right. Like he creates it all himself. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Well, it's funny you saying all this because because what you started off by saying was that it's a film about Jodie Foster's character. Yes. And that she's the main character and that that specific sort of wording that she's the main character I would take issue with because I think while she it, she's certainly the centre uh, in that she she runs the hotel and she interacts with absolutely everybody. Um, it has a it has a real ensemble feeling. There are there are characters who are less uh, prominent than the other. Charlie Day, in particular, is a, is a sort of side character. Um, but but everyone else, it, it's it's not it's not like about her journey. But let me you know I mean it doesn't start off with her. For it starts off with um, uh, Sterling K. Brown and Brian Tyree Henry's characters, and they go to the uh, hospital and and then meet her. Um, so I mean, they they start off as a protagonist, um, but but I think what's what I liked about the, the the structure is that it wasn't so down the line. It was um, it it kind of branches off. So you meet these different characters, and Charlie Day's got whatever he's got going on, and he just wants to escape with. He's a rich bloke who wants to escape with a helicopter, and Sophia Boutella turns out she's uh, she's put herself in the hospital deliberately so that she can get to yeah. the rich guy to kill him so she's got her own thing going on Dave Batista's got his, his, his he's the right hand man to uh, the nurse and so he's, he's he's giving his opinion he's got his own sort of ideas of what's going on obviously the nurse has got her backstory and she's learning things um, and then you've got the two brothers who no, I mean for the, the one brother is learning about the other brother that he's still a junkie mm. um, and then trying to sort of cope with him and he's got his his history of if I'd left him behind I would have made something more of myself but I couldn't leave him behind because he's my brother point is all of these characters are are more or less equally privileged in um, how much of, of their stories are how prominent their stories are it's it's not quite so down the line as it's her story and the others revolve well, around well I, I, I don't know I mean let's let's clarify because 
you know, I think we're probably saying the same things, but in different ways. And, you know, to give a historical context, I think, you know, when you talked about a Joan Crawford film or a Clark Gable film, it was always a story. The thing is that it was built around, you know, the star, but actually it always had fantastic, you know, supporting characters, all with, you know, goals of their own and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, something happened in the 80s where you get like films like the Sylvester Stallone films where like there's nothing else happening except <laughs> him and his gun and his tits, right? You know, but I mean, historically, vehicles for stars were built around the star, but it wasn't just about that person, right? So I think this is almost like kind of an archetypal vehicle because, you know, I think it is built around uh, uh, the Jodie Foster character. Her story is the central one and is the one that ties all the rest of them together. But of course, you know, the film is rich enough to, to have all of these other things going on. And actually on different levels, because it's a, it's a melodrama. It's almost like a maternal melodrama. On the other hand, it's like a futuristic, slightly sci-fi film. It's also a gangster film, right? So, yeah, yeah. and it's very noir. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of, it, it's textured in that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's and, and layered and, and, and quite successful at it. Yes, I think so. Um, it's quite an achievement in that respect, actually, when you think about it. Um, but no, I, I mean, what what I meant to say was just like, for instance, the, the the assassination sort of story is basically entirely separate to what Jodie Foster's are going on. None, but it is also actually very important. That's kind of what I mean. Like it, it, in in a more conventional vehicle for a for a, for a star or for a, a central star, the the stories feed in to the to the central story. But in this film, you do have stories that are allowed to just be their own. But she's the link to all of them. It's kind of. But they're not necessarily important. Well, that's what I mean. It just feels more, well, the guy more that, desperate. The guy that Sofia Botella is out to kill is the guy who killed Jodie Foster's son and who financed the hospital for her to work in, and whose son is now threatening to blow up the hospital. Yeah, yeah so, and I, of course they're linked. But my point is that it's not. It, 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 I do think it's more desperate than that. It felt noticeable to me that it was not the case that it was all heading completely in one direction. I didn't know at, w- at what point things would become important or not important. I, d- I didn't know what... To, I mean, for instance, you, you start off with um, the, the bank two... Robbery. Yeah, you start off with the two brothers doing the bank robbery and stealing this pen that turns out to contain uh, diamonds owned by the, the crime uh, mm. boss. And so, you've, and and this is going to central MacGuffin at the start. You're going, like, oh my god, this is going to be all about, and that and that pretty much fades into the background. Yes. You don't hear a lot more from that for the rest of the film. So that's what I mean. Like other things take over, and, and things are allowed yeah. to come up and go down. And though they're beautifully connected, yeah, you know. So you know, the pen kind of is something that then links the brother, that the Sofia Butella character. Yeah, she knows about she it. She knows about it. Uh, the imagery of it is brought back, you know, because then when the Jeff Goldblum character comes in and gives the ring to his son, it's got the same symbol as the pen, and mm-hmm. yeah, like it's, it's yeah. very well worked through. It is well worked through. Um, so I liked it very much. It's it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's put together cleverly and nicely, and yes. and with with care and attention. Yes. So let's go now onto the things that you found weaker. Uh, I mean, I I couldn't tell you like that. <laughs> It's, it, it is weird that I was kind of bored, but also interested. Mm. Um, like you said, uh, the, char- the, the, the actors um, carry the film really heavily. And I don't think it's that the, the, the filmmaking sort of around it that, that, 
the the editing and the shot selection, that sort of thing. It's not that they are failures, but they're not as strong as they could be, or as as, as interesting as they could be. Um, but then it's also not that they're kind of plain. It's just were it not for the strength of the performances, I think the film would feel a lot weaker. It would feel like more of a missed opportunity because of because you could still tell that all of the work that's gone into building the world is so strong yeah. that that it's a shame that it's not expressed so much through the camera and through the visual storytelling. You know what I wish? I mean, so... It, it's I think it's a great script, right? And I wish it had been directed by... Brad Bird, <laughs> yeah, you know, so because I actually the two people I was thinking of was the Mission Impossible films and um, J.J. Abrams, Doug Liman type of action. Yeah, well, I was thinking specifically of of the Mission Impossible films, mm. so you know, so not the Doug Liman actually because they're almost like too fast and too disjointed. There's an elegance about the Mission Impossible films, the okay. action sequences, right? So I was thinking if either David Fincher. Or, you know, one of the recent directors of the Mission Impossible films had taken this script and these actors, it would have been amazing. It isn't sort of directed well enough, although there are elements to the direction that are good. Like I say, that um, I, th- I think that it is quite elegant uh, in its opening act in the way it introduces the world and introduces all the characters mm. um, and, and the various story elements that are going to interact and, and develop. I think that's really good. As the film then does develop, it is less... It's more just sort of functional. Yes. Um, but the actors are so good, and they're given stuff to do, and also they're given... Each is given a little character arc or a moment of feeling, yeah. you know, that kind of makes the film bubble along great. It's a kind of film that I could imagine being on TV again and just stopping things to watch it, you know? Kind of watching the actors do their stuff gave me an enormous amount of pleasure. And it's yeah, very it's, rare. it's the best film to fall asleep to. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> so not true. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was quite good fun to fall asleep to. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I like, and you in fact say you didn't. No, I didn't quite fall asleep. But like I say, that's also it. It does not stay its welcome. It's quite brief. Yes. It gets in and out. Do you know what I mean? And um, and if it had been too overdeveloped and too self-indulgent and half an hour longer then it would have been way too much and I would well, then it would have been a different film so sure but that's but I'm just saying like it's a it's a yeah I like that it just went in out in a hundred minutes it was really good it was decent yeah yeah it's got pretty light <laughs> oh, I, mean. uh, 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 uh. I didn't think it was light Actually, I thought it had a real critique of American society and what it's become, where, you know, kind of everything is privatized, uh, you know, where the whole social fabric has fallen apart, where kind of, you know, the streets are unworkable, you know, there are curfews every night, and then it's in a not-too-distant future. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole kind of critique of the culture just embedded in that. Yeah, yeah, you know. there's a thing about family, about kind of, you know, what, what brotherly love is and, you know, the restrictions that that imposes and also the things that it opens up and offers up. You know, there's kind of, you know, stuff on motherhood and what it means to raise children and to feel responsible for them and, 
you know, um, and guilt and so on. So, I, I mean, it has themes that are worked through. Yeah. And I think kind of dramatized very well. Yeah, you know. I agree. So, um, I would recommend... That and all in it. the context of a kind of silly sci-fi high concept thriller. Yes. I, and I like that. Yes, I like that too. It moves along very well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, all of the actors, I thought, you know, um, were wonderful with Jodie Foster just kind of taking the cake because, you know, I think I've missed her so. Welcome back, Jodie. <laughs> what the last thing she... Because she, I can't think of um, what her recent... Well, she, she directed Money Monster, which was not that great. It was kind of fun, but not that great. Oh, the, Carnage. That, um, the, the what's-his-name film. Um, Polanski. I haven't seen that. That's a fun little movie. Um, but I did see Elysium and actually I thought her role here would be like in Elysium yeah you know where she she's got this showy important but really secondary role and you know that that isn't the case I think she she carries the movie yeah so it's good yeah alright well thank you very much for listening we are on SoundCloud Twitter Facebook iTunes if you google eavesdropping at the movies we, we show up somewhere and um, and we recommend that you see this film. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>